Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the word-giving, insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now, on to today's message. Thrive Church, how we doing? Great to have you guys with us today. Um, We're in our third week in the book of Job. Excited about that. But something I want to share with you before we kick off is today's a special day for us here at Thrive. We believe in multiplication, meaning uh, that the best way to reach people uh, far from God and people who are disconnected from church is by starting a brand new church. As many of you know, five years ago, there was 20 people sitting in this sanctuary. You could shoot a shotgun five ways and not hit anybody. True story. Now, I wouldn't do that, of course, um, you know, but, but um, you know, and God, through launching a new church here, has reached a lot of new people. So here's what we're doing this fall. We're planting a brand new church right here in the Chesterfield area. All right, some people, have, some people don't, don't know what to think. Yes, um, it's not a church split. It's not even a Thrive campus. We're actually starting a brand new church with Stefan and Lori Ross. If you guys will just come here for a second. Um, up here, uh, you guys have seen him before. Stefan preached last week. He did an excellent job on preaching on borrowing some faith. Um, great job doing that, man. Love these guys. And um, their story, and you'll get to hear more about it, is God, that they came from Pennsylvania, and God like, told them to start driving, and I'll tell you where, where to go start a church at. That's crazy, right? In a good way, like biblical faith crazy. And they ended up in Richmond and ended up at our Thrive Richmond doorsteps um, one Sunday, and we got to talking, and um, you know, we, we did it. Definitely church planning is the hardest thing you ever do. Stefan was saying that this morning, but they're going to have their first interest meeting today in our youth room at 1130 or immediately following our worship service over here. Here We'll have snacks, we'll have child care. And so if you're interested, let's say you're here at Thrive and, and you're like, man, that would be great to help start a brand new church right here. Um, you Maybe you feel God calling you to step up. Maybe, and I'm going to be bold and brazen, maybe you're cooling down at Thrive and maybe you used to come every week and now you come once a month and you know it's time to step up. You know the best way to step up? Join a church plant, right? And so these guys will have an interest meeting today, immediately following, and I'm excited to help birth Aspire Community Church right here in this area to partner along with. Awesome. So we're praying for you guys. Excited. But even if you didn't sign up, feel free to come on out and figure out how you can help them, uh, lend them some faith and help them in their journey um, in serving God right here in this area. So we're week three of the book of Job, so go ahead and turn to Job chapter three. Job chapter 3. And what we've been doing is we've been following this character, this man named Job, this historical figure who lost everything in his life. And we've seen and journeyed with him through his hurt and his pain. And today we're going to look at handling the pain of loss. One of the losses I had in my life, and it may be trivial to what you've lost, but it was really big in my life, was when I was a sophomore um, and then junior in high school. I played all, you know, three sports and varsity did all that. Yes, I'm short, but I can play. And so uh, uh, I played all three. So football was my, was my passion. And so in, in 10th grade, um, our biggest rival, we quote unquote really, really, really did, we hated, we, we disliked that team a lot, right? Biggest rival, and we lost in the last seconds to them. So when we go fast forward to our senior year, we're playing them on their field. It's raining cats and dogs. And we're sitting there, we're up by one point with a minute left. 
And here's how we lost in 10th grade to the same group of guys, because you always go through school together. They were rural, rural town boys against Midway. It was Union and Midway. We lost because we fumbled a snap. And I sat on the sidelines with my friend Corey, who was the center, and I was the guard, and, and, and our quarterback was Jason. And, and we sat there, and, and Corey said, man, we got the ball. He said, and I just hope it doesn't happen like it did in 10th grade. I was like, no, 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 it's not going to, man. Just snap it. Like, Jason, make sure you get it. The first snap goes well. He kneels down. Clock's running. We had to do it one more time. He goes to get it, and with the rain and everything, it snapped and went right through his hands. And, I, and, and it was a little different because when you're just kind of just, you know, just doing. Is that me? Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. <laughs> I know something wrong. So, so I'm blocking a little bit. Peter didn't like this football illustration. That's the way he lets me know that. And so I'm blocking, and I realize all the guys come just to start jumping and diving, and the ball's on the ground, and they get it. Well, there's, there's 15 seconds left, and literally they throw a pass in the back of the end zone, and this guy's like an NFL catch, catches it, and we lose. And, man, I'm covered in rain. I'm sweaty. I'm muddy, and I cried all the way home. My brother picked me up from the game. He had got there to watch it. And I was heartbroken with that loss because we literally beat that team one time in my six years of playing football. That's like they had the golden shoe in their back pocket, right? So they always had that. It was a, it was a tough pain loss. Now, now, you may say that's trivial, and there are greater losses um, than that, but that was a big loss in my life. And if we're honest in here, every one of us have faced loss, haven't we? Some of us have little losses, like losing your keys. <laughs> that's frustrating. Some of us have lost people. But one truth about life is this. Either you have lost something, you are losing something, or you're going to lose something. And as we look at Job today, you're going to see a man that was going through the pain of everything. As we established in week one and then again in week two is that Job was a man that was righteous by his works before God. He did everything right. Everything right in God's eyes. And Satan saw this. And Satan said, you know what? The reason he does everything right is because he has all this stuff. He's a wealthy business owner, which means he had a lot of goats and camels. That's not, I would hate to have that. <laughs> he had livestock. He had a huge family. He had houses. He had retirement. He had everything that you could imagine in life. Everything you could imagine. And Satan comes to God and says, I guarantee if you take all that away, he's going to curse you. If you take all that away, he will stop following you. And so God says, all right, go for it. Just don't, just don't kill him. And he takes everything that he had. Lost everything. Eventually, as you'll see, Job gets boils on his body. His health starts declining. And he literally has lost everything. The only thing, and God took his dog, but God left a nagging wife, right? It's amazing how husbands, amen, right? <laughs> Thank God for our wives. Mother's Day is coming up. No, I'm, I'm just joking. <laughs> so today, what we're going to look at, Job makes one statement in Job chapter 3 that really sums up what happened to him. It's a very profound statement on how he is dealing with the loss in his life. Don't you look at this in Job 3 verse 5. We're going to use the New Living Translation. It says, What I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. He lost what mattered most in his life. He didn't lose a football game. And that may sound trivial. He lost everything that mattered to him. 
And obviously you see in this, into the, the psyche of Job that Job was actually probably thinking about, man, it would really, my biggest fear is to lose all my family. My biggest fear is to lose my business. My biggest fear is to lose my dog. My biggest fear is to lose all these things. And he actually dreaded. So you can actually get a glimpse that Job may have been thinking about this and just sitting around and saying, man, I never want this to happen. Maybe he verbalized it. I don't know. But that's exactly what happened to him. And what you're going to see in the book of Job for the rest of the chapters over the next um, uh, five, six weeks that we are in this, in this book, you're going to see Job deal deeply with being hurt from loss. And if you've ever been through any type of loss, there is pain that's associated with that loss. So today what I want to do is answer the question, what do we do when that happens? And here's your big idea to write in your notes. You can write this down. Processing loss properly creates a healthy heart. Processing loss properly creates a healthy heart. See, Job had a chance and a choice to get bitter or better. And when you face tragedy, trials, uh, tribulations, loss, you have a choice. I'm going to get bitter and angry and I'm going to go downhill or I'm going to become better from this situation. And when you look at Job 42, I'm going to preach a message called the other side of faith because we're on this side of faith the whole time. And finally, the last message, you'll get the other side of faith. Don't miss that one because <laughs> you'll be on the, in, in, the, in the bad part the whole time. You see Job process. You see Job angry. You see Job, and we're going to look at some friends he had that you don't want to have show up when you're going through a bad time. They blame Job. They accuse Job. And Job, though, what I love is he processed his pain. He processed his loss properly. And he had a healthy heart at the end. He knew God on a deeper level. And friends, if we learn to process our loss properly, it will create a healthy heart with us. I remember, for me, losing my mom was big. I, you know, what do I fear most? What do I dread? Well, when I was nine years old, I lost my grandmother to cancer, and she was the love of my life. I mean, I loved my grandmother. She was the greatest thing ever. I spent a lot of time with her due to a tumultuous childhood at home, and so I spent all this time Scrabble fun. She bought me things, G.I. Joe's. Just loved it. I remember watching her die of cancer and even at eight years old I'd still sleep in the bed with her I just loved my grandmother and she leaned over and said son I won't tell you I'm sick and I was like yeah I know I know Mama Smith you're I know you're sick I know you have cancer and um, she stood there one day and she was trying to hold herself up and she said I'm gonna tell you something you start playing football in two years I'm gonna carry you to every game and every practice you need to get to. And she couldn't even stand up. She was so sick and was in stage uh, five at that point, weeks to live. Um, and my grandmother, the cool thing is she gave my mom her car. And that car carried me to every practice that I ever went to. Isn't that cool? And so that was a painful part for me as a child. And then when I became 30, you know, 33 years old, I remember getting the, the call from my mom. She said, son, I don't have bronchitis. The doctors have found cancer in my lungs. And that was for me. I literally on the phone, like, if I could have verbalized what I was going through, what I feared most has come upon me. What I've dreaded has now happened. I said, man, here we go again. I'm facing the same thing that I went through as a child and, and facing this loss in my life. But I had to make a decision as an adult that I was going to process this loss properly. I was going to allow the Lord to deal with my heart in a good way. And maybe you didn't you know, lose a game or, or, or a family member on that level, but loss can apply to a job. Do you know when you have a job you love or a career you love and then you get the pink slip, you're like, it hurts. You feel rejected. You feel like you've lost something. Uh, even in relationships, when you lose that special person in a relationship, it hurts. 
I know many of us, and it studies show 60% have been through divorce or facing divorce right here in church. And it hurts, even though I know you put on Facebook, I'm so glad to be free, and I'm this and that, I know. But nobody, listen to me, listen to me, nobody goes to the altar saying, hey, look, 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 honey, we're going to split up. It's going to look really, it's going to be really bad. Right, you right. I'm going to end up owing you a bunch of money the rest of my life, and it's, we're going to be mean to each other. We're going to defriend each other. We're going to fuss over kids and stuff. But let's just go up front. Let's just do this little ceremony. Just make everybody happy. Let's just smile. Nobody, does anybody do that? No. Nobody does that. We go believing that this snapshot of, of this time will be the person that we spend the rest of our life with, and we have all these dreams and all these hopes. And so when you go through a divorce, there's a loss that goes on in your heart. There's a grieving that happens, right? If you've been through that, where you're like, man, what happened? Loss could even be, in your life, an investment. Maybe you had an investment or money. I talked to a couple one time that this church was doing, not this church, but a church was doing a Ponzi scheme, and one of their elders was doing this big money thing, and everybody come, you know, they, they did this, that's why I don't do this stuff here, and they gave their money to this, this scheme to make more money, and they, they took all the savings and retirement that they had, and the guy jumped ship and went overseas. They lost everything lost everything and there was pain associated with that or it could have been death which we have all faced or are going to face we've all faced loss at some point and here's the deal we have to understand how to process it properly because if we don't what happens is we become damaged emotionally has anybody ever broken a bone in here any bone breakers wow a lot of clumsy people are here no I'm kidding <laughs> I've not I've yet to break a bone come very close but when you break a bone, what do they do to you? They put it in a cast, don't they? So you can heal up. They have to reset the bone and get the bone in place so when it heals up, you can function properly. I think I broke a bone in my wrist. My wife believes I did. I'm not sure. But I don't have a lot of motion in my wrist anymore. Like I, my, my wave is not very good. Because um, something happened playing basketball. I don't know. I don't, I don't like doctors. My wife is one I, and I, I, don't, I don't like it. So I didn't go. Um, and I refuse to believe I broke something. She believes I did because I don't have a lot of motion anymore in my hand because I didn't get it set right. See, when you lose something in life, if you don't heal properly, your soul is just like that bone. It doesn't heal properly, and then you're limited in what you can do. For the Lord, you're limited in your relationships. Loss, without dealing with it properly, wounds you. I mean, Jesus even said it this way. He said, what good is it to gain the world but lose your soul? What gain is it to succeed in life with a damaged soul? What good is it to climb the ladder of success and get the American dream while the whole time your soul's damaged? When we learn to uh, you know, handle loss properly, it creates an emotionally healthy heart. It's when God, we allow God to process that in our life. As a pastor, and I, I speak for our staff as well, one of the things that we're invited into in a sacred way, in a holy way, and I think an honorable way is loss. When somebody loses something, we're usually invited into that conversation. We're invited into that story. We're invited into that journey with that individual, whether it's a family member, whether it's a job. We usually get that news um, as, as staff. And we are grateful to be able to be involved in that. One of the most honoring things that you can do is, is you know, preside over a funeral for someone and minister to a family. And we see loss of all types. Pastor, pray for me. We're, 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 we're getting the D word that's going to happen. Pastor, pray for me. I lost my job. Pastor, will you pray? And, and that's what we're here for. And we were invited into that. 
And so I see what the pain of loss can do to people. I've seen some people go off the deep end and never recover from loss. I've seen others greatly heal from loss and God uses them in amazing ways. But process, listen to me, processing loss properly does what? Creates a healthy heart. I realized in 2014 and 15, um, I'd been a pastor for five years, three at, at a church plant, and then I was just a little over two here, that I didn't have a healthy heart. Now, nobody really knew this. Um, my wife didn't even know it to the point that what I was going through. I hit it really well. But one thing I didn't realize, and I'm just going to open up to you here and just, just share from my heart. One thing you know, I'm very transparent. The greatest loss I dealt with wasn't my mom or dad. God had prepared me early in life to deal with, with, with loss of, of, of things like that. The loss you never expect, there's a loss that hurts you the most. When I got into pastoral ministry, I had read every book I could. I had done every study I, I could do. And I really thought, and I had a guy tell this. He says, man, he stood up and, and he's uh, over the Ark Association of Churches. He does a great job with that, Chris Hodges. He said, man, people are going to leave you and leave you badly. And people are going to hurt you. And I was like, I sat there. Here's what I thought. Not me, bro. I'm going to do everything right. He ain't going to do it to me. I know all the leadership principles. And in the church plant that I went into, it was like clockwork. Man cussed out, accused. I mean, it was, it was the worst thing that you, you could experience. And, and it really hit me hard. So when I came here, I was like, whew, that's over with. And here's been a dream. Let me tell you, Thrive Church is amazing. But in the first couple of years, when you launch a new church, Stefan and Lori, get ready. When you launch a new church, there are people, yeah, get ready. Because it's like, it, it literally is like, like one of those, those lights that the bugs get attracted to. It's like, whoa. And, and, and so like people will come in because they've been hurt by church, they've been disenfranchised by church, and they jump on board hoping in a good way that you can do for them what no other church could do. And guess what? They can't do it. And I went through some relational loss. Um, I really love the church that I pastor here. That's why I love being at the front door. That's why I love doing 101s. I really love you guys. This is not just something I do. Like, I, I do. I love it. I'm invested relationally as much as I can. I love hearing the stories of your life, good, bad, and ugly. And when I realized in 14, there were some people who left and hurt me deeply and wounded me. I was sitting downstairs and we were getting ready to move. The baby was getting ready to be born. And I'm going to tell you guys this. Nobody was around. I had the choice to hide it, not tell anybody. But I had a call come in and somebody else complaining about something else. And I picked the chair up in the basement and I smashed the chair to pieces. I was so angry. I'm so sick of not being good enough and you can't do this and you can't do that and you're net. And I'm telling you, and when I got done, I was like, whoa. Nobody was around. And I sat and wept before the Lord. And the Lord said, man, you have an unhealthy heart. You're angry. You're frustrated. And so I went on a journey for the next year that included counseling, included books, included confessing to brothers and the Lord to help me. Because here's what happened. I, I didn't process that loss properly. You hear what I'm saying? Do, do you see the point that I'm making? If you don't process loss properly, you're going to have an unhealthy heart. And I went through a series where the Lord said, look, here's the deal, bro. He didn't say bro, but God probably doesn't say that. But that's how I heard it. He said, here's the deal. This is ministry. And what I had to realize was this, and I, I, I count many of you as friends, so hear me. Most people are there just for a service. They're there just to, to scratch an itch. 
and if the itch isn't scratched, there's more options to choose from. Right? Like a restaurant. Imagine you go to a restaurant. And so, so I had to realize that this is the nature of what I'm in. And the Lord began to heal me where I could release people in love. And I could, and I'm telling you something, man, I found a freedom in my life I had never had before. I, I began to see, as soon as cortisol started pumping in my body and oxytocin, and they, you could tell immediately. I said, Lord, that's unhealthy. That's unhealthy. And the Lord began to deal with my heart. See, if you don't, see, many of you in here are looking at me thinking, man, that's crazy. But you do things worse than what I've done. You take it out on your spouse and your kids. And you know why? And here's the thing I'm going to help you today. You never processed your loss properly. You never dealt with your pain properly. And if you learn to deal with your pain properly, God will create an emotionally healthy and happy person you never knew that could exist in your life. The key to life is not navigating and avoiding loss. It's how do I heal properly from the losses that I've had in my life. I mean, could you imagine in in your life if you begin to do this? Could you imagine like when loss came that you actually sat down with the Lord and began to deal with that properly? Could you imagine what would happen in your life? Could you imagine the posture of your heart and what God would do? See, I believe today that there are some of you that are going through loss right now. You've lost something. Some of you are still dealing with losses of the past that you've never really brought to the forefront. And I think by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be free. You can be healthy. You can be happy. You can be whole. You can live in joy that you've never had before when you let God come into that situation. And what I love about the Bible, the Bible is just not a book of rules and regulations and, and commandments. It's, it's, a, it's a story of people who lost things, like Job. But I love the Apostle Paul, and we're going to do a series in the book of 2 Timothy. Here's a shameless self-promotion for that this fall. First by verse we're going to do. And he says in 2 Timothy 4.10, look at how Paul deals with this loss. He says, Demas, which is a weird name, um, has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Paul was in a Roman prison getting ready to be executed. And he had a good friend named Demas who did ministry with him and Demas deserted him. Paul had to deal with loss. When you look in the Bible, the people there had to deal with loss and be processed properly. I like what Job says later on in Job 14.5. He says, you have decided the length of our lives. You know how many months we will live and we are not given a minute longer. So you're going to realize something. Loss is something we're all going to face. You may lose your keys this afternoon. You may lose your wallet. Or you may face loss that's greater. So here's my heart today. I want to help you. When you leave here Monday through Saturday, I want want the sermons to help you. How do you do this? How do you process loss properly? How do you create that healthy heart? Here's the first thing. Write this in your notes. Understand the cycles of life. Understand the cycles of life. Ecclesiastes 3.2 says this, and this is what Solomon wrote, the wisest man ever. He says, there's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest. No, the yard birds didn't write that. <laughs> you guys know the old song from the 70s, right? <laughs> to everything, turn, turn. I'm not going to sing and embarrass myself and you too, right? <laughs> you brought friends today to church. But Solomon wrote this. It's the realization he had at the end of his life. Let me tell you something about Solomon. Here's the thing about Solomon. Solomon got bitter at the end of his life, not better. 
If you read the, the, the books that Solomon wrote, wise, wise guy. He was really, really smart. By the end of his life, he writes Ecclesiastes. You know, you know what Ecclesiastes is? What's the point? If I could just tell you what Ecclesiastes is in one sentence, what's the point? And he writes a whole book about what's the point of life. Who cares? You're going to die anyway. That's encouraging, right? That's why we haven't done a verse-by-verse verse study in that yet. <laughs> but he tells us here that there's a cycle to life. That we celebrate the birth. We're going to do child dedications this week. And that's an honor to do uh, as staff. But there's a cycle to life where loss happens and death happens and harvest happens. And you have to understand that there are cycles so you can enjoy life. Because if you don't ever expect loss on any level and you get around false teachers to tell you, if you have enough faith, you'll never lose anything. Really? All those who said that 100 years ago are dead. <laughs> Some of y'all got that. The rest of you will hit you when you're driving home. <laughs> Understanding the cycles of life creates an appreciation. You have to understand that loss happens. Like we're watching Blaze and the Monster Machines today. Any parents in the house that watch Blaze? Good, okay, I'm not alone. And so we're watching that with Dawson, and, and, and I've, I've been teaching him that Crusher is bad. My son's two, like, he's like, Crusher's bad. Like, yeah, he's not a good guy. He's trying to stop Blaze. Like, okay, and he's like, Crusher's, oh, he's not nice. Like, yeah, that's right, Dawson, he's not nice. And, but here's the thing. Every episode, guess who wins? Blaze. Right? Crusher tries to hurt Blaze, and then Blaze wins every episode. And we're sitting the other day, I'm washing dishes, and, and, and we're, we're watching. She says, you know what? I don't like this anymore. I was like, why, babe? Blaze is great. He's teaching, learning, he's doing things. She says, no, 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 no. She says, this is what it's teaching him. I was like, well, what is it teaching him, babe? That the, you're going to win every time. You're not going to win every time. I was like, wow, that's actually, I never thought of that. Our sons and grow up thinking, man, if I'm a good guy like Blaze, I'm always going to win. It's important that sometimes the good guys lose, right? It's going to happen in life. Loss is a part of life. For me, this is why this is important. You say, man, understand the cycles of life. Yeah, this is yeah, a little um, tough here. I remember spending time with my wife and son. We're having a beautiful day playing uh, at the water park. And he's just, you know, he can run now. So he's running. He's just laughing and she's laughing. And I'm sitting there watching this. And I understand the cycles of life. See, that's what sometimes teenagers don't listen to these messages because they haven't been through anything yet. You need to stow this away if you're young in here. But I understand as it is is not all as it always will be. You know that? And I took a mental snapshot. I can still see my son running and laughing and her laughing. Just pure joy. Sun shining. I can feel the warmth of the air. And I took a snapshot and said, man, you know what? And, and just, just please, please bear with me here. Here's what I thought. One day, if God gives me grace, I will be, I'll, I'll be on a deathbed. We all will be one day, somehow, some way. And I'll be asking God and thinking, I wish I had one more time just like that. If you don't think like that now, you'll get, you'll get to the end of your life living with regrets. Because you didn't understand the cycles of life. If you never expect loss, you never enjoyed the moment. You'll, you, you'll work and work and work and miss your whole child's life. You'll jump from thing to thing to thing that you think is important. Then you'll finally get to the end and be like, man, what was it for? Bricks and sticks and cars? 
if you don't understand the cycles of life, you won't appreciate the beauty of what's happening now. You'll be thinking, man, once it's gone, I wish I had it. Well, guess what? There's a time when you do have it. You have it right now, and you can enjoy it. Understand the cycles of life. Here's the, the next point. Is this okay so far? Allow God to heal your wounds. How do you process loss properly? Allow God to heal your wounds. Jeremiah 8.22 says this. He asked the question, and it's God asking the question, is there no medicine or no balm in Gilead? That was a place. Is there no physician there? Why is there no healing for the wounds of my people? And you know the story that the children of Israel were in great exile. They were hurt. They're in the worst condition of their life in Jeremiah. Jeremiah was Babylonian captivity. And God is saying, man, where is the healing that should take place in those times? And the funny thing is, the answers in the question, where is the bomb of Gilead? See, the bomb of Gilead was, was literally a medicinal type of salve that would go on a wound and would heal the wound. It would turn into a scar. Do you know the difference between wounds and scars? Wounds never healed. Scars are a memory where you can touch it and it doesn't hurt anymore, but you have the memory of it. Did you get that? That means you may have went through that situation and it pained you to go through it, but you can touch it and say, it don't hurt anymore. I can tell you all the stories of what God did. If you're still wounded, you touch it and you go, ow, oh, that hurts. Oh. That's why in relationships, when your spouse pokes a wound, you lash out in defensiveness because it never healed. That's a free marriage tip. And I realized that in my life. Why is there no bomb in Gilead? I heard one guy say it this way. If only time heals, then God is unnecessary. Here's the thing about processing loss properly. Let God into your loss. Allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you when you've gone through something and you've lost something. Allow the Lord to come in. Sit in his presence. Put some music on and say, God, I'm going to worship you in my loss. The first thing Job did, what, what, what did he do? He fell to his knees in worship. He didn't post on social media. He didn't lash out at anybody. He fell to his knees in worship. And the whole story of the book of Job is he invites God in. And most scholars believe this is several weeks or several months into his pain. Allow God to heal your wounds. And when God heals your wounds, it becomes a scar, not a wound. See, I can talk about things that happened to me two years ago. Like I just shared with you, it doesn't hurt anymore. Do you know how something's turned from a wound to a scar? When you think about that person, you're not angry. Do you know how to, aren't there some people who come to your mind and you get angry? Okay, not, not you guys, but the church on the street, I'll, I'll, I'll sit there, let me preach this, I'm sure they, they deal with this, but, but like, you think about the injustice or the thing that was done to you, and, and you can literally just feel, because anger is, you know, it's from cortisol and, and oxytocin, that stuff running through you, and you're just like, oh man, I just, and you start having imaginary conversations with that person, and you're like going through what you would do to them, that like, okay, I'm the only one that does that? Okay, I'm making sure y'all scared me, man. I saw halos coming on, like y'all were just so holy. And when God heals those wounds, it becomes scars. You're like, yeah, I remember that. It don't hurt anymore. I can hug that person and love that person. I can break bread with that person. I can pray God's blessings upon that person because it doesn't. God turned my wound into a scar. Allow God to heal your wounds. And here's the third and final point. 
Share your pain with others. Share your pain with others. James 5.16 says this. It says, confess your sins or your faults to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. See, when you ask God for forgiveness, he forgives you, right? But a lot of times you're not healed just asking God for forgiveness. You need people. As Pastor Keith said so eloquently, you, can, you, can't, do, you can't do Christianity alone. You can't do it alone. And you've got to get to a place in your life where you share your pain with others. Now, be careful who you share with. Don't walk into Subway or the bus stop and be like, hey, man, I'll tell you. Oh, you've, you've, met, you've met people who just vomit all over you. You're like, whoa. And, and, and sometimes social media is not the best place to share everything that goes on in your life every minute. And the church said, it's the biggest amen I've got this church. But your small group, good Christian friends, people you serve with when you're hurting share that with them do not play the blessed and highly favored game you ever meet those people I'm blessed and highly favored knowing they're mad at several people and they could literally they, they just they cussed them out this week earlier <laughs> Tell them they're blessed and highly favored no you're you're really highly lying to everybody <laughs> it's called Christian lying you ever done that before how you doing good brother praise the Lord Y'all know me, man. If I ain't doing good, I'm going to tell you. The staff knows that too. How you doing, man? I'm not doing good. I'll tell them. Okay. I'm just honest. See, when you share with others what you're going through and share your pain with others, you invite other people to come in and help bring that mom of Gilead. Find people to share with where it hurts. Find people to have help from that. I watched a movie on the plane. I don't get to watch movies anymore um, due to ministry and dad life called Collateral Beauty. Anybody seen that movie with Will Smith? Yeah, excellent movie. It'll make you cry. Of course I did. It was just the dust in the plane and no circulation. It's like grabbing tissues. Like... I don't think Michael or Doug saw it, did you? He, yeah, they're good. They didn't see me crying. But it's a story of loss and healing from the pain of loss. And the way that he healed from loss at the end was he invited his wife back into that loss once again. He pushed her away from losing their daughter to cancer. And you find out at the end this cool story that happens and he invites his wife back into that loss. Man, learn to share your pain with others. I have a few guys in my life and they, they both preached here in, in January then in February. Brian uh, Burgess and Brett Cooper. And man, we just share pain with each other. We share hurt with each other. We get raw, man. And it heals us. But hey, man, let me, let me go grab a coffee with you. Just talk to me. And there's never been a time when we get done, they're like, man, that was so therapeutic just to share that with you because I've been bottling everything up that hurts so bad inside. That's why we have a prayer team in the back praying for you. Right? We just don't just pray for you corporately. We have people that will join with you and pray with you, share your pain. See, I believe that we're all going to face loss. And I'm sorry to share that with you. I know you wanted the blessed and highly favored message. You could walk out of here, but you would never experience pain or, you know, anything bad. But we're going to. But I do believe this. If you process your loss properly, you can have an emotionally healthy heart. And God can use you in the kingdom in ways that he never has. See, Tozer said this. He said, if God wants to use a man greatly or a woman greatly, he'll wound them deeply. And you minister out of your of your processing of that hurt. Does that make sense? What I've gone through in my life, I'm able to share with you and hopefully help you. 
Ludwig von Beethoven lived in the late 1700s and early 1800s. And he was scared. He was what he feared most in his life. And you've heard the great melodies and the things that he's done, the, the compositions. He feared losing his hearing. Because Beethoven thought to be a great composer and piano player, hearing was essential to making the ma- those masterpieces, which I would agree, right, wouldn't you? When in Beethoven's life, he actually learned he was losing his hearing slowly. And frantically, he went to doctors, he sought remedies, he tried treatments for years, till finally he was completely deaf. He was broken, he was angry. Why would God take my hearing away? And finally, he found the strength to try to compose again and pull out the pen and go through and write. And to everybody's amazement, not only did Beethoven write deaf, he wrote his greatest masterpieces while he was completely deaf. He turned his greatest loss into his greatest asset. Friends, let let me tell you, that's what God wants to do in your life and my life, is that when you go through loss and you go through pain and you go through that, God wants to heal you properly so that can be used as your greatest asset to help other people in their journey. And I believe today, personally, that the Lord will start a process with some of you to heal some pain that you've kept down for years. And you're going to come out of this thing just like Job with an emotionally healthy heart. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for real people in the Bible. It's not just a book of codes and regulations. It's a book of people going through pain, going through hurt, going through loss. Lord, I pray that today for everybody in here that this resonated with, that you begin the process of healing. Father, I pray that even my journey and my story would help to uncover why we're angry, why we're frustrated, why we take it out on other people because we never allowed you to heal our wounds. I ask the Holy Spirit today to start a ministering work in every heart, God. I ask the Holy Spirit today, Lord, to begin to show wounded areas. And I pray ultimately that wounds would become scars, that would become testimonies that would encourage other people in their journey. I pray as we sing, Lord, it is well that, Lord, everybody would experience your peace through their pain, Lord, today. God, you never waste pain. You never waste tears. You never waste hurt. You always use them for divine purposes. So we pray this morning and we invite you in to heal us properly so we can be used greatly for your kingdom, God. And as we're praying, church, and in the mode and atmosphere of prayer, I want to extend an invitation. If you're at Thrive Church today, you don't know where you would spend eternity. You don't really know if your heart is right with Jesus. If you've never confessed Jesus as your Lord, or maybe you've walked away and you say, man, it's time. It's time. Today is the day for me to fully surrender to Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity. And it's simple. It's simple. What you have to do is confess to God that Jesus is Lord 
your Lord and ask him to forgive you of your sins. You can make heaven your home. You can have a new start. You are forgiven. You may have walked 30,000 steps away from God, but you're ever only one step away. And the step is today. Today, if you want to surrender your life to Jesus, recommit your life to Jesus, I'm asking you to do something on the count of three. I want you to just lift your hand between me, you, and God. Me, you, and God. One, two, three. That's you. Lift your hand up in here today. right now where you're sitting whether you raise your hand or not I want you to join me you can pray this by your bedside you can pray this in your car you can confess this wherever you're at but it's simple to make Jesus your Lord and become a follower of him it's simple you pray this right here you confess this to God you say Father God I admit that I am a sinner but I believe that Jesus is Lord I believe that he died on the cross. I believe that he rose again from the dead. I believe he is the son of God. I believe that he will return again. Today, I repent of my sins. I turn to Jesus and I make him my Lord today. In your name I pray.